How many in here like summertime? Would you raise your hand if you like summertime? You enjoy that? I like summertime. I'll take hot over cold. Some would disagree with me, but I like summer days. And with the summer, obviously, comes the sun. And in the Prater household, uh, we have pale skin, so with the sun comes sunburns. Um, the only way to avoid a sunburn, obviously, for us is to apply sunscreen and just don't go outside. Um, and our motto at our home is very simple apply sunscreen now or regret it later. In fact, I, I can even hear the cry of my wife, um, who's very protective of the skin of my eight year old boy. And I'll take him out for baseball practice or I'll take him to McCray Pool there by our home or something like that. And I can just hear her cry as I'm walking out the garage door to get into my car. Did you put sunscreen on Kevin? Don't forget in 38 minutes it'll wear off. Put some more on him. In our text, it's not really Lady Jenny crying out. It's Lady Wisdom crying out. She's personified. Wisdom's personified as a woman. It's not because women are wiser. Don't think that for a moment. You're prettier, not always wiser. But it is personified as a woman here, and really, in essence, the message is the same. In our text that we read, Lady Wisdom is crying out this, in essence, apply it now, apply wisdom now, right now, or regret it later. Now listen, the seriousness of not applying sunscreen is mostly temporary. But the pain of ignoring wisdom is often permanent. That's why this text takes on a very, very serious tone tonight. This is the second lecture that Solomon gives to his son in, in an attempt to impress upon him the importance of wisdom. He's going to try to sell wisdom, wisdom to his son in chapters 1 through 9 so that when he gets to the actual Proverbs in chapter 10, his son's ears are perked and he's ready. And so this is the second lecture with that effort. But here's how he's going to spin it. Here's how he's going to emphasize wisdom in this particular section of the text. He's going to, he's going to apply it um, in, in terms of a sense of urgency. He's going to specific, specifically talk to his son about applying wisdom and listening to wisdom and obeying wisdom right now before it's too late. Question, when is the best time to apply sunscreen? Before you go out into the sun, right? And when you look down at your arms and you're like a lobster, it's a little too late. Time for aloe vera gel at that point. And in the same regard, when it dawns on you that you're addicted to something, that's not the time to start thinking about more accountability and increased discipline. When your credit cards are maxed out and you're afraid to answer the phone calls or even go out to the mailbox because of, of who you owe... That's not the time to consider developing a budget and altering your spending habits. That should have already been done. When your spouse serves you with divorce papers, that's not the time to get serious about working on your marriage. When the pregnancy test reads positive, that's not the time to start reevaluating the soundness of your moral compass or whether or not he's the right guy for you. The time for applying wisdom is right now. And the text lays out very simply. Solomon is talking to his son and he starts by describing wisdom's cry. He describes wisdom's invitation. And then he talks about the content of her cry. And lastly, he gets very, very serious. And he gives us a warning regarding what will happen if we choose to ignore wisdom's cry. 
apply it now or regret it later. Let's study beginning in verses 20 and 21. And here's the point of these two verses. The invitation of wisdom's cry is for all. Read it again. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates. In the, in the city she uttereth her words. That word cry means to shout. She's not whispering. The implication is that her message is urgent. She's not passive. I imagine that Lady Wisdom's cry is much like a mother's cry to her child who's about to run out into the street, right into oncoming traffic. It's, it's very, very urgent. And you might be thinking, why does she have to cry? Why so loud? Why so intense? Well, it's because she's competing with so many other voices. In fact, if you remember the message about a month ago that we preached in verses 10 through 19, we talked about the voice of the sinner. And Solomon warned his son about the voice of the sinner, which is very, very enticing and very persuasive and very loud. And it's almost as though Lady Wisdom is saying, okay, sinner, you've had your say. Now it's time for me to have mine. And there are other voices mentioned in Proverbs that she has to compete with, like the voice of the fool and the voice of the scorner. And the voice of the seductress in chapter 7 and 8. And so she's loud because she has to be. Notice where she cries. She doesn't wait for people to come to her. She takes her message to them. Specifically, she takes it to what Solomon says was the streets. That would have been referring to the public square where large gatherings of people would meet. And that's significant for this reason because in that day, women didn't really go out into the public square by themselves, let alone speak in public. She didn't only go out, she didn't only speak, but she cried aloud. She was willing to risk cultural disgrace because her message was that important. She cried in the chief place of concourse. That would have been the business world. It made me think of when I took the teenagers one year to an orphanage in Mexico City for a missions trip, and we went to tour the pyramids there in Mexico City. And when we, right when we got in, into the, the gates there, and, and, and began to walk up to climb up one of those pyramids, there were vendors everywhere. It was like a chief place, a concourse. They were selling their little gadgets. And we couldn't understand what they were saying, but they were loud. And they were all selling the same thing. But they were all doing whatever they could. I mean, they would stick it this close to your face while you were walking by. And that's what I'm imagining. Lady Wisdom is going where all those vendors are, where all the people are, and they're vying for everybody's attention. And Lady Wisdom is saying, I got something to sell you. And it's more important than anything you could get from anybody else. So she cries at the openings of the gate. That refers to the political world. One commentator said, these places were the centers of all activities, daily affairs, employment, politics, even playing. So what's the point? Listen, church, here's the point. Wisdom is offered and it's necessary in every arena of life. It's for the uneducated and it's for the scholar. It's for the young and it's for the old. It's for the six-year-old on the playground and for the 70-year-old parked in the RV campground. It's for the cart pusher at Walmart. I was one of them. And it's for the CEO at Walmart. It's for the teacher and it's for the student. It's offered wherever people are found. And here's why wisdom can be so inclusive, so generous, so universal, because God never runs out of it. That's why James 1 said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, generously. 
And so that's why wisdom can be so aggressive in its cry. But notice to whom she cries in verse 22. Look at it. How long ye simple ones and the scorners and fools. Three people make up her audience. In fact, if you're here tonight and you're not wise, then you fall into one of these three categories. You're either simple, you're a scorner, or you're a fool. And the same goes for me. The simple is, can be described like this. They're gullible. They're easily influenced. They're noncommittal. They're, they can be pulled in either direction. They haven't made up their mind on what path of life they want to take in certain areas. The scorners display their dislike or disdain for something or somebody through mockery and disrespect. If you're a teacher here, you know a scorner's in your class. They're pretty easy to spot. But let's not be fooled. Scorners aren't just in the teen years. Scorners are adults too. They express content by hurtful remarks and sarcastic facial expressions. And scorners love to involve others in their scorning. Then there's the fool. Someone who knows the right way but intentionally goes the wrong way. A fool is not ignorant. A fool is rebellious. Oftentimes, the foolish man, it's not that he doesn't believe in God, it's that he lives as though there is no God. Lady Wisdom is crying out to all three groups of these people. And here's the good news. Wisdom plays no favorites. Lady, Lady Wisdom says, I will go anywhere, I will go wherever people are, and my cry is to all. Some people have studied the book of Proverbs and said, where's Jesus found in this book? Where's the gospel in the book of Proverbs? Where's grace in the book of Proverbs? It's right here. This is a picture of God's grace. That no matter if you're a scorner, no matter if you're a fool, no matter, matter if you're simple and just can't make up your mind, God's grace is, is for all. No matter where you fall in those categories, no matter where you're at in life, God's grace extends to everybody. So Solomon describes very carefully wisdom's cry, how she cries, where she cries, to whom she cries. Then he goes on to describe the content of her cry. It's twofold. The first part of wisdom's cry is a question. The second part is an imperative statement. Look at verse 22 at the question. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long will the scorners delight in their scorning? How long will fools hate knowledge? Lady Wisdom is asking this question. How long are you going to put me off? How long are you going to shut your ears to my cry? She's asking the simple one. Hey, how long are you going to stick between being wise and being foolish? Hey, scorner, how long are you going to mock me? Hey, foolish one, how long are you going to live your life in rebellion and ignorance? The point is this. Stop putting it off. Stop ignoring it. Stop saying later. And I would ask the same question to you tonight. To the young person. I know that there aren't a lot of young people here. Maybe there's some college students here. To the young person who's ignoring the wisdom of their parents. I would ask you how long. To the Christian who's ignoring the sound advice of the preached word of God. I would ask you how long. To the husband in here who's ignoring the sound wisdom of his godly wife. I would ask you how long. And the wife in here who, who is ignoring the sound wisdom of her godly husband, I would ask you how long? To the young man in here who's ignoring the, the wisdom of the more experienced, aged man, I would ask you, I would ask myself, how long? To the young mom in here 
who's ignoring the sound wisdom of a more experienced mom. I would ask you, young mother, how long? To the financially irresponsible who are ignoring the wisdom of the financially proven, I would ask you how long? To the young pastors who are ignoring the wisdom of the older pastors, I would ask how long? Lady Wisdom is crying, stop putting me off. And then we really get the meat of her message in verse 23, look. It's an imperative. Turn you at my reproof. In other words, repent. Turn around. Change your direction. This isn't a suggestion. Lady Wisdom is simply begging the scorner and the simple man and the fool to change their ways. And she says, if you do, here's what I'm going to do, verse 23. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my words known unto you. Wisdom is just sitting on the edge of her chair saying, please say yes, and you will get more of me than you could ever dream. More of me than you even asked for. I will pour my wisdom onto you if you'll just listen. I I sense a real, real sense of urgency in this text. It made me think of a story where I heard a preacher tell it to kids one time at a camp where a father was in an estranged relationship with his 18-year-old son who was wanting to run away from home and disregard the faith that his dad was wanting to pass down to him. And It came one Friday night and there was a big fight and the son said, I'm out of here and he packed his bags and the dad knew he was pretty serious. And so the father went to the front door and he laid his body across the front door. And he says, you can go out into the world if you want to, but you're going to have to step over me to get there. And sadly, the preacher said the son did just that. Stepped over his father to go play in the world. And I feel like Lady Wisdom has spread herself over the door in this text. And is saying, you can have the world if you want. You can scorn, you can be a fool, you can be a simpleton all you want, but you're going to have to step over me to do it. And sadly, many Christians do just that. They step over God's grace, they step over God's mercy, they step over God's long-suffering. Hey, they step over the teaching of their parents, they they step over the, the grace of their grandparents, they step over the preached word. They step over messages from their youth pastor. They step over godly examples that God has given them. They step over those not-so-godly examples that God has introduced them to to keep them from going that direction. God, help us not to ignore lady wisdom. God, help us to heed her call. To sum up wisdom's message, you could say this. Repent right now. Listen right now. Apply wisdom right now. And then she's going to go on. And give a very serious warning to those who don't. Look at verse 24. Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand to no man regard. But you have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. I've had a hard time with this verse, if I'm honest with you. Verse 26. I'll laugh at your calamity. I'll mock When you're overwhelmed with fear? Notice, though, the word also. 
I also will laugh at your calamity. In other words, she's saying, in answer to the laughter and mockery of the scorner, whenever I cried out, whenever I taught, whenever I extended instruction, she's saying this, there will come a time when you won't, you won't be laughing. I'll be the only one laughing at this point. And at first that seems very calloused of Lady Wisdom, doesn't it? But you have to understand what this phrase really means. One commentator points out this phrase. Listen, I want you to understand this. I will laugh, he says, is not an expression of personal heartlessness, but of the absurdity of choosing folly. He said wisdom isn't laughing at the ruin of a life because there's nothing funny or humorous about that. The commentator says wisdom is not laughing out of a sense of sarcasm. Wisdom is laughing out of a sense of shock. And think about that. I think he's right. Because wisdom is cried out so loudly, so urgently, so generously. And after all of those cries, isn't it absurd to reject her voice for the voice of the fool? Wouldn't you agree it's almost laughable? This response is also given in Psalms chapter 2 and verse 4. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. I thought of this as a parent. There have been times when Kevin has done stuff so absurd that yes, I'm very disappointed, but it's like a laugh comes out. And it's not sarcasm. And I'm not laughing because he was stupid. I'm laughing because I'm shocked. But point in case, we got him a brand new pair of dress shoes. A year and a half ago. Brings him to church, a place where dress shoes should be safe in the house of God. And he comes home, and they got these big old scuff the first day that he wore them. And so we buy him another pair of dress shoes. That was a, that was a big mistake. And we said, do not scuff these. Okay. I mean, I, I, I cried out loudly to him. I was like Lady Wisdom. And he comes home. If I'm lying, I'm dying. He comes home, and those things are scuffed. Same spot. I said, we got to stop buying cheap shoes. And so we step it up. We go from like $27 shoes to $40 shoes. Don't scuff these shoes. He takes them to church, and the, I, it, they're supposed to be higher quality. Comes home, and they're scuffed. And so my mom, the Grammy she is, says, you know, I'll go, I'll go drop some coin on some shoes for them. And so she does. This is just a month or, or two ago. And, and he wears those to church and comes home that night. And the same spot is scuffed. And you know I, I could have just flown off the handle at this point. And internally I was. But I literally laughed. Like what do I do? <laughs> Son, what? I'm not laughing because I'm happy with them. I'm laughing because it's so absurd. I'm shocked. that. And I guess some of you are like, a kid's going to be a kid. I get that. I know that. Childless illustration. But listen. Isn't it true? That it is so absurd for someone to leave wisdom and what she offers for what the foolish offers? Isn't it so absurd? Almost like you just internally, if not out loud because you want to mind your manners, you're laughing out of shock like, come on. That's what's happening. That's not the only consequence. I I would submit it gets worse. Look at verse 27. When your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind
such an anguish cometh upon you. You see what Solomon uses as an analogy? He's the tornado. And the desolation and distress that a tornado brings to illustrate the consequences of ignoring wisdom. I spent four years of my life from 2002 to 2006 living in a 607 square mile dust bowl called Oklahoma City. It's the beginning of what they call the I-44 corridor, which is a thin strip of land, 98 miles long, runs from Oklahoma City to the Tulsa area. A magazine, you may have heard of it, called Popular Mechanics, put out an article several years ago called The Most Dangerous Places to Live in the World. The I-44 corridor is ranked number seven. It was listed right below places like this, the Mountain of Fire in Indonesia, and the African Lake of Death in the Republic of Congo. Why do you think OKC would be listed as so dangerous? Tornadoes. Back in 2013, the world's largest tornado ever recorded passed through the southern part of Oklahoma City through the town of Moore. 2.2 miles wide. Tornado traveled 17 miles in 47 minutes. All in all, we've report, they've reported damage of over $2 billion. That includes 13,000 homes that were destroyed, several schools and businesses and hospitals. 210 people were seriously injured. 24 people were killed in its path. You know what a tornado is? It's nothing but pure chaos in the form of wind. Over five years later now, we can still trace the devastating effects of that tornado. No, no, you, you don't think the loved ones of those 24 people who died, you don't think they've forgotten, do you? You don't think the first responders and the Red Cross volunteers and the National Guard soldiers have forgotten all the devastation they had to clean up? You don't think the homeowners who lost everything don't drive through there every once in a while just to remember what it used to be like? That's what Solomon is pointing our minds to. That's the danger. Listen to me. Young and old, that's the danger of ignoring wisdom. Is that right there? That's the picture Solomon gives us. But maybe even a worse consequence is mentioned next. And I know it's hard to think that it could get worse than that. But I actually think it does. Look at verse 28. Then at this point, watch. They shall call upon me, but I will not answer they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Do you see the irony in this? Lady Wisdom was the one crying out in verses 20 through 23, wasn't she? Now it's the simple, the scorner, and the fool who are crying out. In verses 20 and 23, it was, it was the fool and the scorner and the simple that was ignoring the cry. And now one of the consequences of ignoring wisdom's cry is that Lady Wisdom will eventually ignore your cry. Which I've got to come to this conclusion. There does come a time when it's too late. What do you mean, Brother Tyler? Does that mean I can't be forgiven? Absolutely not. God's mercies are new every single morning. Does that mean God's grace runs out for me? No, 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 no. That, that's not what it means. It means this, that the mercy of God will no longer hold back the devastating consequences any longer. Proverbs 29.1 speaks of this. 
He that being often reproved hardeneth his necks, he gets stubborn, shall suddenly, like the tornado wise, suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. What does that mean? It's irreversible. The consequences come. They're forgiven. They're under the blood. God doesn't love you any less. But he's going to let you reap the full, irreversible consequences of your own actions. Do you understand that on a daily basis, God is holding back the full consequences of our sin? Do you understand that? If he unleashed his wrath every day, maybe we wouldn't be in existence. That's why Jeremiah says, if it weren't for your mercies, we would be consumed. But there comes a time when you ignore wisdom for so long that his mercy no longer holds back the consequence for that specific sin. And that's a scary place to be. In fact, it's illustrated in Romans chapter 1. Very effectively. One of the greatest messages I've heard is when Brother Mike preached this text. I encourage you to go on the website and dig it up if it's still there. But they were stooped so deep in idolatry and, and all kind of sexual sin. And they ignored the law of God so long that God gave them over, the Apostle Paul says, to their own reprobate minds. He gave them over to, I quote, the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Irreversible. And I've seen the same exact thing happen in front of my very own eyes. I've seen parents plead, listen please, with their teen daughters about the opposite sex relationship they're in. I've seen this as a youth pastor with my own eyes, this exact situation more than once. But the daughter keeps rebelling and keeps lying and keeps sneaking around their parents' back only to find out months later, I'm not exaggerating, that they're pregnant. Then they come crying back to mom and dad. Then they come crying back to grandma and grandpa. And while their parents will love them and should love them, and why their grandparents will love them and should love them, what God has allowed to happen by way of pregnancy is irreversible outside of abortion. And their life is forever changed as they are now a teen mom. That's an illustration. Of when God's mercy no longer holds back an irreversible consequence. I've seen married men. I've seen married women. I'm not exaggerating. These are things I've seen get connected emotionally to someone who wasn't their spouse. Someone at work. Someone on social media. They're taking texts late at night from someone that's not their spouse. Things like that. They ignore the earnest cry of wisdom in those situations. And they slowly but surely take one small step of compromise at a time. And before they know it, the winds of devastation have nearly blown their home apart. Does God forgive? Absolutely. Does God's grace reach that far? You bet it does. But no matter how hard they cry, no matter how many apologies they get, no matter how deep their remorse was, there is no turning back the clock. There is no reduce. They've ignored wisdom and they have to pay the price. I've watched Christians in this very congregation get offended, get angry, refuse to deal with it in a biblical way, carry a chip on their shoulder, and get bitter. 
Despite, despite the pleas of wisdom that God has sent their way, they let that bitterness keep them out of church. They stay on the fringe. Then they become a cynical person that's hard to be around. And before you know it, they're lonely. And they're medicating that loneliness with things that only bring more hurt. And I've watched as the further they've gone down the road of bitterness, the more irreversible consequences they've had to endure. It's not that God didn't send wisdom their way. It's that they ignored it when it came and they said, I'll get right on my time. I'll make it right with that person in my way. I'll forgive when I feel like I'm ready to forgive. And all the while, they're taking a path down irreversible consequences. I want you to notice something. Up to this point in the text, uh, Lady Wisdom has spoken in the first person. I and me. She's spoken in the second person, you and your. She's speaking directly to the scorner and the simple and the fool. But starting in verse 28, she changes her language to the third person. That means she's no longer talking to them. She's talking about them. They shall call upon me. They shall not find me. At one point, listen, wisdom was talking to them, and now she's using them as an object lesson for others. She's saying, do you see them, the simple, the scorner, the fool? Listen, at one point they were just like you. They were passerbys in the marketplace. They were walking through the chief place of concourse. I reached out. I cried out. I handed out. I was generous, but they ignored my voice. And the point is this. Don't become an object lesson for others to learn from. You don't have to. You might be thinking, that's so cruel. That's not my God. He doesn't laugh. My, my God doesn't ignore. Well, don't forget what Lady Wisdom said in verses 23, 24, and 25. I have called. I have stretched out my hand. I've offered counsel. I've been to the streets. I've been to the city gates. I've been to the chief place of concourse. I went wherever people were. I cried to the point where I risked cultural and public disgrace. Hear me, church. It wasn't until after she had done all that that it came to a point where she had to sadly turn her backs on the ones that turned their back on her. And she says, therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. And be filled with their own devices. Self-destruction. Ask Cain. Ask Samson. Ask Lot. Ask Judas. If this passage is true. For the turning away, she says, of the simple ones shall slay them. In other words, the simple who turns from wisdom to chase folly will not give a second thought to the fact that, that they just turned away from God for the very last time. And the prosperity of fools, she says, shall destroy them. The fool who rejects wisdom's cry again, watch, will be basking in their prosperity, enjoying a false security and and then all of a sudden, without warning, the very thing they turn to will destroy them. Are you getting this tonight? 
ignoring wisdom comes at a price. But Solomon doesn't want to end his lecture to his son on that note. So he gives him one more plea. Verse 33. But whoso hearkeneth unto me, Lady Wisdom says, shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Since old Lady Wisdom is saying, I know I've been tough on you. I know I've been straightforward about the consequences of ignoring me. I've cried loud. And I've cried passionately. And I've cried urgently. But now I feel like Lady Wisdom's whispering one more time. Don't turn your back. Just whisper one more time. Don't, don't ignore me again, please. If you'll just listen, I, I promise you safety. Safety from what? The devastating consequences of sin. Lady Wisdom never once offered that you'd have a plush life. Never once offered you'd get a check in the mail. Never once offered you'd get a promotion at work. Lady Wisdom just says you'll be safe. And I'd rather be poor and safe than rich and not safe. And Lady, Lady Wisdom says, you, you know what else you'll get? If you just listen to me, you'll be quiet from the fear of evil. What does that mean? I think she's saying you won't have to go to bed worrying about whether or not you're going to get caught. <coughs> you don't have to go to bed wondering, I wonder whenever this is going to catch up with me. You have to go to bed wondering, I wonder if I deleted my history. You, you won't even wrestle with the fear of the consequences of sin. Lady Wisdom isn't screaming right now. I feel like Lady Wisdom is doing this. One more chance. Please, would you just listen? I can't predict this because that individual line in Proverbs 29.1 that God has for everybody, when he says enough is enough, it's different for everybody. That's up to God. It's, it's up to his sovereignty. I want him to be as patient as possible with me, so I certainly want him to be as patient as possible with you. But I just, I, I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, this isn't a scare tactic, but maybe this would be the last opportunity for one or two in here. I'm not talking about figuratively, I'm talking about literally. The last opportunity, God's saying, I have, I have talked to you about forgiving that person time and time again. And I'm about to unleash, I'm, I'm about to not, hold, I'm not going to hold back any longer the devastating consequences of bitterness if you don't get right. God says, I talked to you about how you spend money over and over and over, and I'm about to withhold my mercy. And you're going to understand the devastating con consequences of a debt like you've never known. I've told you, I've told you, sir, over and over, over and over about pornography. Lady Wisdoms, I've warned you. Maybe Lady Wisdom is saying, parents, I, I've told you time and time again, this is how you raise your kids. What else do I have to do? I don't know if that's the case. I can't predict that. In fact, I hope it's not. But it, it could be. 
So on this Sunday night, why don't we just examine our own hearts and say, what right now in my life, is there anything in my life in which I'm ignoring Lady Wisdom's cry? Anything? Anything that I come to church and hear and leave without even letting it faze me? Anything that I keep saying no to God about? Is there anything in my life? Oh, I can think of a lot of things in that person's life and that person's life. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit's talking to you. Holy Spirit's talking to me. What about you? Here's the good news. If you're here and you're breathing, apparently verse 33 is still applicable in your life. There's still another chance. So come humble yourself. Let's do some business with God tonight. Whatever area he's talking to you. And say, I want to listen to wisdom. I want to apply it now so I don't regret it later. And you might be okay, and I hope you are. And I believe there probably are some here. So here's your response. Would you come forward and pray for all those teenagers in the van? And verse 33 might be a reality. The last chance for some of them might be this week. Would you come pray that God will get a hold of their hearts? I'm thinking of two or three by name right now. Oh, man, I want God. I've been praying for a couple weeks. God would arrest their attention. I know some parents and moms and daddies in here who drop them kids off in the vans. They're burdened about some of their kids. Why don't you come pray for them mommies and daddies? They're, they're heavy tonight. It's a serious business. Serious, serious business. Solomon's not playing any games. So I just think that if you're not going to come forward and pray, maybe you could pray at your chair at least. Let's cry out to God. While he's still listening. Would you stand every head bowed and every eye closed?